morning again. Thank you again for the opportunity to be with you this morning and uh, teach from the Bible uh, and, and explain what is Roman Catholicism and um, convince you that we have a mission field that is 1.2 billion people ready to be harvested. So as God said, let's pray that the Lord will send his own people to preach the gospel among these uh, precious uh, people that are Roman Catholics. So last time we were um, on the first heretical teaching, we were looking at why do we preach the gospel to Roman Catholics. Uh, and so we saw that there are uh, four heretical teaching of the Roman Catholic Church by which they offend God and give evidence that they are lost. And we had time to see the first uh, which is uh, they corrupt the gospel. And you say, how can we do the last three in uh, that short amount of time if we took one, one intercession for one? We will do it. We will make it. So they dishonor anyway the, the triune God by the papacy. They undermine the sufficiency of Christ's atonement. And they commit idolatry by worshiping, venerating Mary and the saints. So as a result of the first uh, radical teaching, we saw that Roman Catholics teach, uh, as a consequence of their theology, universalism. At the end, God is good and he will save everybody, which is a lie. It's not going to be that way. So we need to reach out to them. That, that at the same time, if you have a, a relationship with any Roman Catholic and a friendship, they will give evidence that they, are, they don't have any assurance of their salvation. They don't have any eye view of God and eye view of Scripture. And uh, they are officially under condemnation, God's condemnation. And they feel guilty in, them, in themselves because obviously they have moral standards that they cannot reach out. And so they constantly feel the condemnation of God over themselves, but they don't know how to react to that. And eventually, when they die, there is eternal judgment and hell waiting for them. Is that not good enough for you to reach out to these people? According to their theology, we need to step out, out from our comfort zone and go to them, tell them about God's glory and how they are called to honor God, not a system, not a religion system, not a man, not people like they, they do, unfortunately, and um, with much heart in my heart. So the next uh, radical teaching, the dishonor of the triune God by the papacy. The papacy is, uh, as you can see this picture, is an incredible portrait of Roman Catholicism. You see Christ dead on the cross. Christ is always dead on the cross or in the arm of Mary, arms of Mary as a little baby. He's always useless as a picture. And you look at Starting from my right hand, going to the left, you see Pope John Paolo II, uh, second, who is dead and is being mum mummified and is uh, uh, put in, in a display where people can go and um, worship him, bow down and raise prayers to him. And his picture as the dispenser, look at with his hand, the dispenser of grace. Uh, Benedict XVI, with a gold cross, give testimony, and with a red robe, the authority of the papacy and his uh, strength as theologian. And yet, on the last one, 
Pope Francis with his hand in sign as peace and is considered the, the, the Pope of the people. And yet Christ, though is in the center, is still dead and is useless to their faith. This is the picture that they have. Why the Papas is a, is a dishonor for God, the triune God? Well, first and foremost, uh, as we see the solidity of Gloria, we see that God is, uh, is challenged by the authority of the Pope. How that can be? Uh, simply, by calling a man Holy Father. Now, Matthew clearly teaches us in, in, in chapter 23, and the last verse, uh, verse 12, that we are called not to call anybody Father here on earth. But we have only one Father who is in heaven. But the problem, even greater than that, is that they call him Holy Father. Now, Roman Catholics are famous for their own prayer, the Lord's Prayer or the Disciple Prayers in Matthew 6. And we all know that prayer, our Father is in heaven, allowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. We also sang this morning, on earth as it is in heaven, give us this daily bread and so on and so forth. Well, as they pray every day these, they commit the same uh, guilt which is uh, condemned by this, this, the same prayer. Because as they pray our Father, they are giving more honor to uh, a man rather than God. And uh, give the attribute of holy to a man rather than God. So say, our Father who is in heaven. Well, they would, they would in action say, O Pope, you are on earth. Blessed be your name. Your will be done. And your kingdom, the Catholic kingdom, may be established here on earth. Though they pray their prayer, they dishonor God in doing exactly the opposite of what this prayer asked them to do. So as they... As you can see, they, they give the attribute of a holy to a man, and they give also worship. Now, you see this picture of a man uh, in, on his knees before John Paul II, and this lady here before Pope Francis. And I remember a man in Acts who once uh, was with John, dear friend, and people were bowing, bowing down before him, and Peter said, don't do that. Step up. I'm, I'm one like you. Now they claim to be successor of Peter. And yet they do the exact opposite of what Peter did in Acts. And Paul and Barnabas. So they dishonor God by calling themselves Holy Father. And that's the only name that we give to our Heavenly Father. We have only one Heavenly Father who is in heaven. And is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then the second reason they dishonor God with the papacy is by giving the attribute of the head of the church to the Pope. He is considered the head of the church. While we know from Ephesians 1, 2, 22, that God gave us one head, who is Jesus Christ, who gave his life to die for me, for you, for your own sin. And he raised him on the third day and he gave him as the head of the church. There is only one head that rules over us. Is the King Jesus Christ. Amen. Not the Pope. 
The Pope doesn't have any authority. And he claims to be the head of the church as authority over the church of Roman Catholicism. And if you talk with the Roman Catholic, you say, well, why the Pope claims to be the head of the church? Christ is the head of the church. They would say, well, well, I understand. But in the sense, Christ is always the head of the church. But he's the head of the church here on earth. He's the vicar of Christ. <clears throat> Wrong answer. Because in that way, you dishonor again the Holy Spirit. The triune God is completely dishonored by this. Because Christ gave us only one vicar. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us. And in my heart, dwelling in us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. There is no man that can take his place. So the, the papacy and the all structure underneath that is a clear evidence of an offense to God because God the Father is dishonored, God the Son is dishonored, and God the Holy Spirit is dishonored. And we are to be informed about these things. And we need to be sure that we understand that and the mentality and theology that is behind it so that we can reach out our friends in the Roman Catholicism and compel them to say, hey, you don't need a man. Christ sent his only spirit here on earth to dwell in your heart so that you might believe in the Son of God and worship God the Father alone. So this is a clear evidence of this, this situation. Look at this picture. This picture is an incredible portrait of the Pope carrying the sacrificial lamb for atone for sin on his shoulder. Is that the mentality that is in the, the theology of Roman Catholicism where the Pope, Bishop, the Cardinals, the priests, they are functioning as a mediation. So not only they are, they are a dishonor to God because of the papacy, uh, the papacy, but they are also a dishonor to God, an offense to God, and a testimony of the fact that they are lost because they undermine the sufficiency of Christ's work of atonement. The biblical teaching that says the solus Christus, Christ alone did whatever was needed to do to accomplish the work of salvation, and He is still active in interceding for us. He is the only one to whom we have to refer to. There's no other man that we can go to to access to the Father. And yet Roman Catholicism teaches that Christ, yes, is important, but plus is essential that you go to the priest for his mediation. How that can happen? Well, in many ways, starting from the baptism when you are infant, the priest will mediate you between you and God so that you will uh, receive the regeneration and justification through the actual act of baptism. He mediates between you and God and infuses in you the regeneration and the justification and completely disregarding the, the biblical teaching on that. Then a solving sin through confession. Even Pharisees would have complained about this. Even Pharisees at the time of Jesus would have complained that a man cannot forgive sin. And that's true. No man, only God, Jesus Christ, 
can forgive sin. Only God the Father can forgive sin. Only the Holy Spirit can convict you of sin. And yet priests mediate between you and God in absolving your sin through confession. There is no biblical teaching that we can, uh, we can use to affirm this. Imparting the Holy Spirit a confirmation. This is another act. The priest stands between you and God at the, the moment of confirmation. When at the age of adulthood, you will go to the priest. And the priest will infuse you, impart on you the Holy Spirit. And you will confirm that you received the Holy Spirit. And therefore, you submit yourself under the mother church or rule. And, then, and again, very important act is the giving of the last rite when the person is about to die. The priest would go there and this, the spirit would actually not go to the purgatory until the priest would give the last blessing on that soul. For that, for that is important as part of one of the sacraments. And then the last one the, 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 the second to the last one, offering mass for souls suffering purgatory. Sonia's grandmother died in July this year. She died as a Roman Catholic. I remember we went back in June for the last time, and we had the opportunity to, to see her. And we were sitting around the table having a beautiful Italian meal, and she, with a, with a uh, little bit of breath that she had with her respirator oxygen, she asked for Sonia to give her airbag, and in the bag there was the rosary. And I, I told Nonna, which means grandma, you have, you have to pray to Jesus. He's the only one that can listen to you. And yet she died in unbelief, completely, still looking at Mary as her redeemer. Now, this weekend, the family, the relatives who are Roman Catholic, they pay the mass before, you know, the one before the priest. And they ask the priest to offer a mass for her soul to go out for purgatory and go to heaven. That breaks my heart. Breaks my heart because she now is in hell. She is far away for God's grace. Is that not good enough for us to reach our, our dear, beloved relatives and friends and tell them of their unbelief and false theology? They are dying in an unbelief. But most of all, we are reminded from 2 Timothy 1 Timothy 2, 5, that we have one only mediator between us, and it's Jesus Christ. The, the, the true biblical teaching tells us that we have only one Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who gave His life and stand between us and the Father to intercede for us, to make atone for our sin. He's the only one who can do that because He's the Son, Jesus Christ, the, 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 the Son, Man, and Son, God. And Hebrews 7.25 also, remember, that therefore is able also, He, Jesus Christ, to save forever those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. Man dies. 
Jesus Christ died and rose again and is at the right hand of God interceding for his saints. Again, Hebrew 8, 6, 9, 15. They all point to the fact that we have only one mediator, Jesus Christ. Don't get lost in theology of man. Be a good Berean. Go to the word of God and check and challenge your people, uh, dear, dear Roman Catholics, to look at the word of God and study the word of God. And then 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for Him, and no one, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all, thing, all, all things, and we exist through Him. That's the only attention of your life, Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that you want to preach to Roman Catholics, that you want to... You want to be sure that they understand that there is only Christ. Don't get distracted with popes, with cardinals, with saints, with Mary. The only one who has power to forgive your sin, who has power to, to mediate between you and God, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Then, the third heretical teaching has to do with the, the sufficiency of Christ's atonement. They undermine the sufficiency of Christ's work of atonement. How? By the priestly mediation with the Eucharist and transubstantiation. This is an incredible, an incredible heresy that Roman Catholics keeps doing for many, many, many years. The priestly mediation. Every time that the Pope raised a wafer and every time that the Pope raised a cup, he is able to call Christ from heaven, sitting at the right hand of God and calling him to come down on earth again to be sacrificed and died again for the expiation of the sins of those who are that present in that moment and receive the body and the blood of Christ. Really, the priest has more power than Christ Jesus who is seated at the right hand of God interceding for his saints as John 17 tells us in his priestly prayer and this every week every day every morning and every night evening there is a priest calling out from heaven Christ come down as the, the genius in the lamp how can that be we know from Hebrews 9.28, And just as it is appointed for a man to die once, and, for, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. And again, 10.10 of, of Hebrew. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the blood of Jesus Christ once for all. They undermine the sufficiency of Christ's atonement constantly every time that they go before the altar and they offer again Christ Jesus. And that wafer becomes the, blood, the body of Christ and the cup becomes the blood of Christ. And you must receive the body and the blood of Christ if you want to keep your salvation. For that reason, it's part of one of the sacraments. So definitely, according to the Roman Catholic teaching, according to their philosophy of man, Christ's sacrifice was incomplete. 
Christ's sacrifice was not enough for us. It's insufficient. We need the priestly mediation. We need that the priest will stand before you and offer Christ again all over and over again. They will intercede for you for your sins, for your forgiveness. Christ's sacrifice is not enough. You have to, to work together with the priest. You have to go work together so that you might, with your good works, gain your salvation and enter into heaven. Christ did not satisfy God's justice. Because every time God's justice is brought to life, when they offer again Christ Jesus on the altar of Roman Catholic churches. That's not possible. That's not what the Bible teaches us. We saw that in First Timothy 2 in Hebrews and First, uh, First Corinthians that Christ accomplished everything in coming on earth and dying for our sins. Christ's intercession at the right hand of God is not sufficient to provide access for us to God the Father. It's not enough. We need the priest. We need the Pope. We need the clergy. That they would help us. But most of all, we need Mary. That used to be co-redeemer. But now with this last Pope, she is the Redeemer. I think they destroyed everything that related to the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of justification. We need to reach out to these people and tell them the truth. Christ cannot secure salvation in that way. Christ cannot make perfect those whom he died for. You are working with Christ, with the priest, to become you perfect. Then the last... Uh, the last aspect of their other teaching of Roman Catholicism by which they offend God and give evidence of being lost is they commit adultery. Uh, sorry, idolatry. <laughs> they commit also adultery. <laughs> idolatry. How they commit idolatry? By worshiping Mary, the Queen of Heaven. I'm sure I won't be surprised when I will be in heaven, if you get to be in heaven, when I will be in heaven, I will not be surprised to understand and to get to know that the demon that is behind the figure of Mary whom they are worshipping is the same demon that was at the present time when Israel were worshipping the queen of heaven. I go back to this picture in a little bit, but I want to read with you Jeremiah 7, 17, 19. Do you not see what they are doing in the city of Italy and in the streets of Rome? The children gather wood, the fathers kindle fire, and the women knead dough to make cakes for the queen of heaven. And they pour out drinks offering to, the, to other gods to provoke me to anger. Is it Han, I, I whom they provoke, declares the Lord. Also Jeremiah 44, 15 to 17 speaks about that. They worship Mary just as the people of Israel did in the time of idolatry. When they were chastised by God and deported in Babylon or Assyria. I won't be surprised to find out that the same demon that was behind that queen of heaven 
is the same demon that is now behind Mary that they worship. This is a picture that I took in my own hometown. Uh, we were walking the street in the plaza of our hometown, beautiful plaza. And yet my spirit was disturbed as I saw these people walking in worshiping Mary. And look at Jesus. Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus Christ? The little baby Jesus with a little crown and the arm of Mary who is controlling, who is able to and have the power to control him. As they misunderstand the, the, the wedding in Cana, said, do whatever. I'm interceding and therefore I'm forcing, twisting the arm of Jesus to do what I want. Do whatever he will tell you to do. That's the idea that is behind this. The worship Mary because she's the mother who is going to twist the arm of Jesus to do whatever she wants for your good. And as I was there and I took this picture, I was disturbed in my heart. In my, my soul was troubled. And I was overwhelmed by God's grace. And I prayed for these people who were walking towards hell. I pray that God will give me an opportunity to preach the gospel to, to them. That they might, I might reach out to them and tell them to repent from their unbelief. They commit adultery by, uh, with, by worshiping Mary and also by worshiping, venerating the saints. It's interesting that they say, they make distinction. Well, we don't worship the saints. We venerate the saints. You know, it's interesting. If you use their own Bible, the CEI Bible, in Italian, the verse on Colossians 2.18, the exact word that Paul uses to forbid any form of worship to angels is translated as venerating. Colossians 2.18 compels us and compels them to, be, to understand that any form of worship or venerating or veneration is forbidden by God. God doesn't want to compete to any degree with any other figure as God. So as you look at into the house of a normal Roman Catholic, you see these altars. Now this is pretty much uh, quite a unique one, but there are many others with smaller dimension where they go on a daily basis and they worship and they offer their prayers. And they, they do this every day of their life, being an offense to God and demonstrating that they are lost. How do they get away with this? Why do they believe that this is an offense to God? Because they pervert the Ten Commandments. I did a study on the Ten Commandments and see how the different religion divides the, the Ten Commandments. If you go and talk to a Roman Catholic and ask, where do you find in the Bible the Ten Commandments? They don't even know that you, you can go to Exodus 20 or Deuteronomy 5 and read about the Ten Commandments. So after doing the study and the many years that I ministered among Roman Catholics, I found out that they divide and they uh, omit part of the Ten Commandments. So they go in, in, the, in Exodus 20 and they give the first commandment and say, I, Lord, am your God, first part of verse 2. Then they omit the second part of verse 2 and they go directly to verse 3. You shall not have other gods beside me. 
But most importantly, they skip completely from verse 4 all the way down to verse 6. And, uh, verse 7. And they say, okay, this is the first commandment. And then the second says, you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. What about verse 4, 5, and 6? If you go there and you read verse 4, 5, and 6, you'll see that it's explicitly uh, indicated and forbidden to make any image that are in heaven or on earth and to worship that image. But they willfully and intentionally omitted verse 4, 5, and 6. So now they are short one commandment. They removed one commandment. So how can we fix this problem? So we have solved the problem that in the Ten Commandments we complete omit verse 4, 5, and 6. But now we are left with nine commandments. Easily. Let's go. They keep the rest all the same. And let's go to, to the ninth commandment. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. First part of verse 17. And so they split verse 17. Rather being taken that as one unique commandment, they split it and they make two. And you shall not cover your neighbor's good. And that solved the problem. We have the Ten Commandments. But no Roman Catholic know that verse 4, 5, and 6 are omitted by their Ten Commandments. So if you are preaching the gospel to them and they take out the Ten Commandments, open up Exodus 20 and show them what the Roman Catholic Church, the clergy, and the Council of Trent and so forth did in omitting the Word of God one commandment, one critical commandment from the Ten Commandments. Show them as a way to say, hey, that's, that's a very important commandment. You are doing the same very thing that here is forbidden. So th let's move on and finishing with just a review and five practical principles. To reach out the Roman Catholic. So we saw that the, the four radical teaching are they corrupt the gospel, they dishonor the triune God by the papacy, they undermine the sufficiency of Christ's work of atonement, and they commit idolatry by worshiping venerating Mary. I think by now you should be convinced that we need to reach out the Roman Catholics. The, the 1.2 billion people, one people out of seven, are Roman Catholics. As you walk in the street, one out of seven is Roman Catholic. That you need to reach out to these people and share the gospel, the good news. How would you do that? How do we re do preach the gospel to Roman Catholics? I'll give you five principles. The first one, be sure you are saved. Because you were born in an evangelical church, because you were born in a church that is faithful in preaching and faithfully exposing the word of God, and because your parents are saved doesn't mean that you are a son of God. Examine yourself, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13.5, and test your faith to see if you are in Christ or not. There's no way that you can reach out Roman Catholics unless you are a true believer. I'm challenging you. Not, I don't want to bring doubt in your salvation, but I'm challenging you to see the fruit of your salvation in your life. Your work with Christ. You first and foremost has to, has to believe, have to believe in Christ Jesus to reach out the lost. If you don't believe in Christ, if you are not true saved, you will not have the passion to reach out the lost. Be sure 
that you rely upon prayers and the Holy Spirit. Pray God that he would give you an opportunity to reach out Roman Catholic today. Pray in your, on your knees, God, please, I beg you, give me an opportunity to preach the gospel to a Roman Catholic today. It's five and a half years that my wife and I are here. And for four and a half years, I've been praying God to give me an opportunity to preach the gospel to Italians, first-generation Italians who are here that will speak Italian and are Roman Catholics. It took me four and a half years to finally see God moving his end and give me the opportunity to get to know in the last six months more than four Italian people who speak Italian and are Roman Catholic. First and foremost, if you want to reach out to these people, be on your knees, pleading God to give you an opportunity. And when you have that opportunity, you must keep praying God, relying on the fact that the Holy Spirit is the one who saves, not you. That is a spiritual warfare as you are sharing the gospel. Last Sunday, I invited a Roman Catholic to come to church, and he was willing to come. On Sunday afternoon, he called me. His car broke down. Do you think that there is no warfare that Satan is stay, stay there walking you, just preaching the gospel to Roman Catholics? He will do everything possible for him to be forbidden to listen to the true gospel. For a Roman Catholic to listen to the true gospel. So you must rely upon the Holy Spirit that this spiritual war, you cannot do it by yourself. You need God on your side. And that He will change the heart of man. He is the only one who has the power to change the heart of man. I don't have any power. Be sure that you have the right motivation. Remember, it's not my truth against your truth. It's not my, my way against your way. Don't fall in, the, in that trap because they want to put their way. They want to put the discussion, the argument against their truth against your truth. No, that's no. I know what is the truth. I don't have to defend the truth. So be sure that you have the right motivation, that you are not there to win an argument. You want to win a soul for Christ. That you know the truth of God's word, the gospel, and that you want to be stuck with that. You're not going to try to demonstrate with reasoning that your truth makes sense. You have to be convicted, first and foremost, that you have the truth. The reason you must be saved first and rely upon God and the Holy Spirit. And then your motivation will be, I know what is the truth, and I'm just going to tell you the truth. I don't, have, I don't have to win your argument. I have to win your soul, your heart. And that's your prayer, part of your prayer too. Be sure that you know how to articulate the gospel. Many would be, you know, aware of the gospel and know what is the gospel. But not many knows, not many know how to articulate the gospel well. Write down your presentation of the gospel in points. Go to your pastor and say, Pastor, is that a good explanation of the gospel? Is that good enough? Is there anything missing? And throughout your experience in sharing the gospel, fill that, refine the articulation of the gospel so that you must be more effective in that. 
Be sure that you are articulating the gospel well. That you are not lost in arguments. Because they will tell you many things. You know, in fact, this is the fifth. Be sure to tell them the true gospel. The, the, the first thing that they will tell you, well, what is the difference between us and you? And you are there quoting that argument and demonstrating what is the difference and why the difference. Why you, do, you don't worship Mary and the saints? Why you don't have that? Why you don't have this other? Why you don't go to, to, to the Mass? What is the difference? And you get lost in explaining your difference and you forget the most important thing. Preach the Gospel. Preach the Gospel. The Gospel that you learn how to articulate. Tell it. When they, when they ask you why you don't worship the saints, you don't explain the reason why you don't worship the saints. You go to Christ and you say, yeah, I know that this is important things for Roman Catholic, but I'm telling you, I worship Christ Jesus because He is my Lord and Savior. He came on earth to die on the cross. He, he, he gave His life to ransom as a ransom for myself. Focus on this. Focus on this. So this is our very quick five practical principle. And obviously this can be completely another session. But... I want to close with tell you, my wife and I are getting ready to go to Florence. And we need your prayers. And we need your help. If you are, if you have desired to, to have experience among Roman Catholics, whenever we will be back to Italy, I invite you to come. And why do, I invite you to come on the street with me. Walk on the street and preach the gospel to the simple people of, of Italy. As they are 95% Roman Catholic. We're going to go there to plant a church in Florence, Lord willing, Lord willing, and training leaders. Because the leaders of the evangelical church need help. They are really dear, precious people, and they need a lot of help. Let's go close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this incredible opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for the joy that you gave me to, to share this teaching with these precious people. I pray that they might be convinced that they need to reach out to Roman Catholics, that they need to share the gospel in the right way with the right motives. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.